Dad's Blog History. Let's parlay and have ourselves a pirate fight, you land lovers. Welcome to Dad Bod History, where the drinks are cold and the takes are old. So, who was the baddest, bilge-suckingest, scurviest pirate to roam the seven seas? We will find out when we take eight famous swash- swashbucklers and make them walk the proverbial plank. But, before we get into that, let's hear some stories from the words. dad front. Really? You, man. That, I mean, that means a lot to me. I appreciate yeah. that. So, I'll start. Uh, with I mean, it really goes story. downhill once we get off script. But yeah, what's yeah like right now? Worth <laughs> I like talking. But uh, so I got to take my family uh, last week to Disneyland for the first time, uh, which is wonderful. It's great experience. My buddy from high school, him and his family go to Disneyland basically every year, and uh, so they were they're what you call pros. They they know they know how to. To navigate um, Disneyland, so we took our kids, uh, went with them for two days. We spent one day at Disneyland, the other day at the California Adventure Park. It was great. Kids had a great time. Uh, we had that fast pass, and we used it to our absolute maximum benefit, uh, avoiding lines for rides and stuff that would take hours. Like uh, the in uh, was it Galaxy's Edge? They have Rise of the Resistance. That was awesome. Yeah. That was great. Uh, they had Smuggler's Run in Galaxy's Edge. That was cool, too. Uh, we did the Cars ride in California Adventure Park. That was fun. We did. So we did the web-slinging. So the second day, we did California Adventure Park, and we did the web-slinging Spider-Man Adventure, which is wild. Like, it's 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 incredible. Um, and so my son, he that's the one he wanted to do the most, because Spider-Man. And so we did that, and then... Megan, my friend's wife, she's like, well, you guys can go do the Guardians of the Galaxy ride next. I was like, okay. So we did that. Um, me and Bree and, and the kids um, went did Guardians of the Galaxy, which is apparently in the old Terror of Tower, which mm-hmm. I didn't know that what the Terror of Tower was. Tower of Terror. Never, terror. Yeah, Tower of Terror. I never know what that was. So she's like, oh, well, are you sure you want to take the kids here? I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. Guardians of the Galaxy, it'll be great. And... For those of you that have never done Tower of Terror, you go up and then it just drops you down and then you bounce a couple times. And my wife's like, yeah, are, yeah that's what Tower any, of Terror was. Are, are there any more famous dad last words than, eh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> right up there. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> so you get in this very, you know, steampunk industrial gantry. They strap us in these clearly 1979 seatbelts and uh, take us up. And then it's rocket raccoon is hijacking the gantry. That's the plot of the ride um, from the collector. And so it just starts going crazy. So we get up to the top real fast and just go and go up and down. And then you like the doors keep opening to different scenes from guardians of the galaxy. And, and, uh, and it was awesome. I had a blast. I was laughing the whole time because I love roller coasters. And then I look back my son is like cowering in my wife's lap. My daughter is like she has no handles to hold on to, so she's just bouncing up and down. And and uh, they get off the ride, and my son is shaking like he's just been in combat. And he's like, <laughs> oh, he's like, I don't, I don't like elevators anymore. <laughs> like, ah. so we had to we had to coax him, we had to coax him into some some rides. And after. You're like, uh, we're going to our hotel room on the ninth floor. He's like, I'll take the stairs. Yeah. So every ride after that for the rest of the day, he's like, is this, 
this is a safe ride, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a safe ride, but they did it. I was really proud of them. I mean, they handled it as well as I, I guess, could have been expected. And my wife's like, yeah, I didn't, that's why I didn't want them to do it. I'm like, I had no idea what that ride was. Like, so that was yeah, a great but, ride. So, so the kids had no clue what to expect? They didn't know if this was a movie or no, a no idea. tank or what was going to happen? Yeah, nothing. And and so it was like, and you walk in, and it's all set up to look like the collectors in the first Guardians at Nowhere. And so it's kind of got, you know, these weird animals and creatures and gauges and stuff and, like, really dark and kind of like, hmm, maybe this was a poor choice. And then we get into this gantry and just all hell breaks loose. And it was an incredible ride. But we also noticed that there was no other five-year-old children on the ride either. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe we didn't pick the right. No, you picked but, the perfect ride. But they recovered. Perfect. They did great the rest of the day. They did a bunch of rides after that, so it just took a little bit of, a little bit of like talking them down and built, rebuilding their confidence after that one. But it was a good, great yeah, you're time. You're ballers now. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's next level. That's a big. And now move. they can say I did this right. Like, like and it, you it's can a also deal. tell them, hey, listen, you did Tower of Terror. This is not that hard. You're going to be fine. Exactly. You know, I remember when I was a kid myself and I went to Great America um, in Gurney Mills um, in Illinois with my dad and we did the American Eagle, which is that really old wooden roller coaster. And I remember like squeezing his hand so hard he thought I was going to break a bone in his hand. I was so terrified, but he made me do it. And then ever since then, I was like, I love roller coasters. Like I was not a fan of it when I was on it, but afterwards I'm like, can we do that again? So I hope my kids have a similar experience with roller coasters. But anyway, that's my that's my dad front story. How about you guys? I can do a little uh, little recollection of Father's Day, which was today. Um, mm-hmm. Happy my Father's son Day, announced to me yesterday, Jack, that um, he did not know that the day that is today was Father's Day. So. Um, he completely mailed it in. I didn't get it so much as a phone call from Jack today. So that was an F minus for Jack. Um, that Lily wouldn't Bailey, be his first, call. right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Father's Day teacher joke. That was good. Oh, Jack That's a is awesome. Yeah, but uh, so let's see. Bailey and Lillian, they both called. Um, my two new sons, Tristan and Hudson, they they made breakfast this morning. There was French toast and bacon and uh, fruit cups, some nice coffee, and then took my dad lunch today. So uh, for those of you who don't know, my father's in a nursing home. Um, this man, uh, per this is we've gone over some of my father's exploits on previous episodes, but. Um, he did everything that you always wish you could have done, and probably your mother's glad you never did. And um, mm-hmm. so, anyhow, at the ripe old age of eighty-one, he's he can't walk. He's in a home, and so anyhow, at this point, like I go and visit him every time I go see him, I've got a chocolate malt from Whataburger in my hand, nice. and. A couple of days ago, I went and saw him, and for whatever reason, I didn't get the chocolate malt. It was the worst visit we've had together in years. <laughs> he just basically sat there and stared at me and wouldn't talk for most of the time. I'm there. I've got the dog. All the other people are coming by. Everyone's saying hi. I'm just getting the hairy eyeball from the old man the entire time. So anyhow, 
Lesson I will learned. not show up empty-handed yeah. again. Yeah, he needs at least 30 ounces of chocolate malt to show any sign of happiness at this point <laughs> in his life. Well, I mean, I get it. He's probably like, look, Jeff, I don't have a lot going on right now. This chocolate malt is a big deal to me. Like, Yeah, I don't yeah, have a lot of that. time left. I'm on the yeah. 18th hole here. I'm about to putt out. And, uh, yeah, there's really only one thing that moves the needle anymore, and you know what it is. So let's not show up without it. Let's, let's not fool each other here. Let's save ourselves some stress. Yeah. That's, that's funny. That's wild. What right, do you got, Eric, Eric? How about you? So – <clears throat> Nothing really from this weekend, um, but you're talking about Disneyland. We have a we got an annual pass this spring to Universal Studios Hollywood. And Jake, you've been there because we've gone on a class trip there, and that that place can be a lot of fun. So we've taken our kids, and my daughter's ten, my son, my my oldest son is eight, my youngest he's now five, and we go. And we get down and we go to the Jurassic World ride. And my eight-year-old is just, no, no, he's nine now, just jacked up about Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, whatever. We get on that ride. And when we get off, he's terrified. We get we get off the ride and we're like, do you want to do that again? He's like, no, that was good. He's just kind of done. And we yeah. went on the next ride. And after every ride, he... He was like, uh, that was good. It was a little bit much. I need some time. My okay. four-year-old, my okay. five-year-old now, he went on a ride. And he's like, let's do it again. Let's go. So like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, there's a there's a roller coaster. It's kind of a kiddie coaster. It's It gets you up about 60 feet before it starts dropping you and you, you start going loops and stuff. Uh, he loved it. He's like, do it again, again. And my older son, he's like, no, nah, was, that was good. Do I have to do it again? I don't want to. But uh, back in May, we went and my daughter and I went on the uh, Harry Potter ride, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. And we get 15 seconds into the ride and we get stuck. And, and a lot of the stuff at Universal Studios is cinematic, right? You're on a mm -hmm. ride. It moves around, but it's it's dealing mostly with like sound and pictures and and practical effects to to make you feel like you're you're moving but you're on this track each car is its own thing on wheels that has you elevated 20 feet in the air and uh we got stuck 15 seconds into this thing for an hour oh gosh because they have to move each car individually like remotely and so it was a pain. Thankfully, none of us had to go to the bathroom. There were no emergencies like that. But we get back. They start handing us like four free express lightning passes, whatever they use, uh, money for food. Like we got a ton of free stuff out of it. So that was kind of cool. But um, yeah. And then the following week, we took our junior high to Six Flags uh, Magic Mountain and uh, a a fellow teacher and I went on X2. I remember going on that with you. Uh, and I forgot what that was. That was wild. It's the fire, right? The ring of fire that you go. And they don't have through. the fire anymore. But still, like, uh -huh. the, the, the seats rotate as you go up. So, like, you, you're never really in a comfortable position. You always feel like you're falling in an awkward position. It was fun. 
It was good. But That's awesome. Yeah. I love roller coasters to an extent and rides, but... I mean, to an extent? What does that mean? To what extent? There's, there's certain things I don't like. I do not like the things where you go straight up and then it just drops you. Not Tower of Terror. I like I like Guardians of the Galaxy. The ones that are like the carnival ones that take you up and then they just drop you. Or the ones where they swing or they spin. I, those ones I don't like. First of all, anything at a carnival, that's that's different. I consider a roller coaster to be stable, safe... <laughs> Yeah, I'm ride. far more. I am far more scared of carny rides than I am oh, of roller yeah. coaster at Disneyland. Yeah, so you say carnival, I'm out. Yeah, when when but, there's a guy named Skeeter smoking a, a his seventh marble of the day, and it's only eight a.m. That yeah, asking girls that, if they can prove that, that they're eighteen. Yeah. yeah, that gives me some trepidation. That's not. <laughs> but those kind of things that are like. I, I I don't care for those kind of things. The ones that just spin you and move you up in the air. I like a roller coaster. I like something where you're clearly like bolted to the machine that you're going to be in. I like them fast, but there's certain things I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. If it's on wheels and they just unloaded it off a trailer, there's no reason to get on that and feel at all safe, but yeah. you've got a good six-point harness, and this thing's bolted into the ground like a cell phone tower. You're probably okay. <clears throat> when that ride yeah, broke exactly. that we were on, when we got stuck in that ride, and the people came out to, to fix it and move it, those were those were well-paid engineers. They were not part-time, you know, like onesie wearers out there working on things, hoping they got the directions right. These are people who like are experts in these machines. Step one, put in a fresh dip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sort this out. Is it exactly. plugged in? So <laughs> turn it off and turn it on again. No, this is not a call to the IT department. Let's <laughs> reboot the Tower of Terror. <laughs> All right. Um, well, speaking of carnies, pirates were basically the carnies <laughs> of the sea. So great. I segue. think that's a great segue. Yeah, amazing. let's move on. All right. So there is no criminal element that can better capture the imagination of stories of gold and glory while simultaneously displaying a complete disregard for personal hygiene and proper nutrition with names like fearsome, fearsome names and reputations like Blackbeard, Calico Jack and Eustace the Monk. Uh, hmm. it, can hard be, it can be hard to dis- decide which is the greatest buccaneer of all, which is obviously Tom Brady. <clears throat> but we are going to answer that very question through a rigorous and thoroughly scientific process where we throw them in a bracket and pit them against each other with ridiculous hypotheticals. So, Eric, you will be asking the questions tonight. Jeff and I will be providing the answers. Um, before we get into that, I would briefly like to go over our eight contestants. Uh, starting off, and uh, I don't know if you'd call him a one seed, but he's certainly one of the most well-known pirates of all time. He's the one seed, yeah. Yeah, he's okay. North Carolina. Okay. Blackbeard. So, born uh, Edward Teach or Thatch. Uh, in 1680 in Bristol, England, uh, his flagship was the Queen Anne's Revenge. Uh, he's mo- probably most famously known for um, <clears throat> the siege of uh, South Carolina 
and or the, I guess the blockade of South Carolina. He also served as a privateer between 1701 and 1714 during the War of Spanish Succession. And for those of you that don't know the difference between a privateer and a pirate, Eric, could you give me that definition real quick? Yeah, a privateer is one who's hired by a monarch, correct? Exactly. So yeah, a privateer is working under contract for a a some sort of nation state, uh, usually during a time of war. Um, so they're privately, they're, they're independent contractors. So yeah, um, like if the U S government pays you to do something <clears throat> illegal, not illegal. If you okay, do it on your well, own, yeah, a, it's illegal. Uh, okay, I've got a couple other phrases here that maybe we could stand to define. Oh, um, sure. Okay. Privateer. <laughs> you just talked about what's the difference between a smuggler and a pirate, Eric, would you? Oh, a smuggler is is smuggling goods from one place to another illegally. A pirate is stealing them from other ships. Correct? Yeah, I, I would be... think a, a pirate would be defined as a robber. I mean, a, a yeah. pirate probably <clears throat> smuggles, but he also probably stole it in the first place. Yeah, pirates tend to like they'll um, in, in the research that I did is they were raiding um, settlements or cities. Obviously, they would capture other boats and ships and, and steal the goods from those ships. And then they may or may not smuggle them afterwards, but they were definitely And, and keep robbing. in mind, one of the worst forms of piracy was that of music piracy in the early 2000s. It was the most heinous Intellectual crime. Intellectual property theft, yeah. Yeah, the FBI was serious about that. If you yeah, stole dread, a song off LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love um, 182. Okay. What about a uh, a buccaneer? Do, do we have a definition for the word buccaneer? I think a buccaneer is just a. I think it's a synonym for pirate. Um, but let's look it up real quick. I don't want to speak on a turn. Well, here we go. I've got a definition. It says any of the freebooters preying on Spanish ships and settlements, especially in the 17th century West Indies. Okay, there you and, have it. And more broadly, it's it basically means pirate. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And then um, uh, one other thing that Jake and I looked into uh, before we got started was Davy Jones. Um, turns out that Davy Jones is basically the devil to pirates and in pirate lore. So there was yeah. no actual uh, individual named Davy Jones, but Davy Jones is, yeah, the ultimate bad guy, the, yep. the mythical ultimate bad guy amongst pirates. Yeah, and his locker just basically means the bottom of the ocean. So, um, so that's a real brief description of Blackbeard. Uh, rolling on to my second, our second pirate here is Zheng Yisao, who uh, is a uh, also known as Madame Jing or the Pirate Queen of the Jin Dynasty. She was born in 1775 in Guangdong, China. Uh, her birth name was Shi Yang. Uh, she became Zheng Yi Sao, when she married Zheng Yi, who was a pirate at the time. Um, she's probably most famously known um, for uniting um, the six kind of great pirate fleets in China at this time into a pirate confederation with her husband. And then after he died, um, she took over and expanded it. So at its peak, she commanded... Upwards of forty to sixty thousand pirates and four hundred to eight hundred ships. Her personal fleet was twenty-four ships and fourteen hundred pirates. Uh, so she, while you know Blackbeard is probably far more famous, uh, I don't think anyone's coming close to her numbers. 
And um, how is it possible to do that with no electronic communication? That's remarkable. Just is it wild? The, trying to control that many ships and people when everything goes by carrier pigeon at best. Yeah. Or flags. That's what you had on the seas. You had flags, like, but they were able to yeah. do it. And so, yeah, yelling. And, uh, yeah. So she, she's awesome. Her, her story is really cool. Um, Sheer she force yeah, of will. Basically. And it says, um, I mean, she was born uh, early years. Probably she was a prostitute on a floating brothel. And that's when she met her eventual husband. A floating uh, says, brothel? Yeah, it's called a Tonka is what apparently they were pretty common. Wow. Not Tonka trucks, Tonka brothel. Um, Thank so you for the clarification. She met her husband probably <clears throat> at this brothel and then later got married. Uh, there were six fleets, the red, black, blue, white, yellow, and purple. Um, all And their flags corresponded to those colors. Her fleet was the red flag fleet. Um, yeah, she's remarkable. And she was one of the few pirates that didn't get executed. So... Good on her. Um, well done. And she died at the ripe old age of either 68 or 69. So, Sheng Yi Sao. Uh, number three I have is Eustace the Monk, uh, one of medieval Europe's unholiest holy men. Um, born in 1870 in Boulogne, France, which I believe was still at the time a part of the Kingdom of England. Um, his birth name was Eustace Busket. Uh, his dad was Bodwin Busket, Lord of Boulogne. Uh, he went to Toledo, Spain when he was a young man to study black magic. And uh, a lot of this is based on a, on a poem called The Romance of Eustace the Monk. So that's where we get a lot of our information. So from he, him. But he was, studied black magic and then was like, yeah, he studied black magic monk. first. And then he went to a monastery and studied to become a monk. And while he was there, he encouraged monks to eat. Um, when they should be fasting, he told them to fart in the cloister. So he's a big fan of the Dutch oven. Um, and he told them to curse when they should be reciting their prayers. Uh, so he did not last long at uh, the monk, the monastery of St. Samir in Calais. So, this, uh, he, uh, okay, so I'm going to go back because when you introduced me to Eustace, it was kind of like a, this was a monk turned outlaw when really the guy was – uh, an outlier of society to begin with. His, yeah, he was never a good dude. He just happened gets, upon being a monk for a few months and was like, yeah, I mean, he, he became a monk, but and so the, the name kind of stuck, you know. But here's where it gets interesting: is when he left the monastery, he worked as an administrator for the Count um, of Boulogne, but uh, he he had to flee because he was accused of theft, basically, and so then the Count fired him. And so then he starts like before he becomes a pirate, he's just like a brigand and he's like doing robberies, lightning raids, dramatic escapes. Uh, he's dressing up as a woman and like stealing from the count. It's very like Robin Hood vibes. Like you read it and you're like, this is kind of like a really metal friar tuck. Um, uh, and so and then he became a pirate working for King John of England, who's also in the Robin Hood stories. Um so that he could continue his vendetta against France, against this count that fired him. Uh, so the King, King John gave him a 30 galleys. So he's all, he's kind of a privateer initially 30 galleys. He was launching raids all along the English channel initially against France, but then he'd also start raiding the English cities because he just didn't care. And then 
1215, he switched sides and he starts doing piracy for Philip of France. And he eventually gets killed um, at the Battle of Sandwich, where um, he, he has to go rescue Philip's son, Prince Louis, um, who's stuck in a blockade. His fleet gets annihilated. And then uh, it says he was he was swinging an oar on the deck of his ship, just wrecking Englishmen until they finally overwhelmed him. Uh, it says he knocked down a good number. Some had their arms broken, others their heads smashed in. Other had a, another had his collarbone shattered. And then his last words: "Never again in this world, wicked traitor, shall you deceive anyone with your false promises." Uh, so yeah, he may not be the most successful pirate of all time, but he's pretty. He's one of the most aggressive and brutal um, that I found. How is it that people have such amazing last words? I just it's I like, can't imagine like, coming up with it's something. It's like you really wrote good that ahead of time, yeah. and you have to have like ready to go. Hold on, hold on. I have a scrap here in my pocket, written after the fact, and were not his actual last words, but it made yeah. a great story. I mean, his actual last words are like, "Stop it! Ow! Stop! Stop! <laughs> stop hitting me! Like, don't don't cut my head off!" Yeah, but don't. does it? It doesn't, it doesn't go in the poem as well that way. Uh, so number four, Black Bart, also known as Bartholomew Roberts, born in Wales. So 1682 in Wales. His birth name was John Roberts. So Chief Justice of the SCOTUS. I don't know. Uh, his flagship was – he had a bunch of flagships because he basically kept upgrading or wrecking the ones he had. Um, but he kept renaming them the fortune of some – so the fortune, good fortune, the royal fortune – Royal Fortune 1, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> he just kept naming him the same thing. Um, he was a second mate on the slave ship Princess when he was captured by pirate captain Howell Davis. Um, Davis took him on and as a navigator. And then eventually Davis was killed. And um, so Black Bart or Bartholomew Roberts, after six weeks of being a captive on Davis's ship, was elected as the pirate captain. And here's what's so interesting about pirate organization. Um, at least on Davis's ship, he had the people on his crew were broken into two houses, the house of Lords and the house of commons, just like the English parliament. And so the house of like. Lords, the house of, <laughs> yeah, the house of Lords would nominate names on who should be the new captain. And then the members of commons would vote on those nom nominees. And that's how they elected Roberts as the new captain of the ship. Huh? Thought it was going to be like House Gryffindor and House Slytherin, and yeah, do it Harry Potter um, style. But over his um, over his his career, he captured over four hundred ships, um, which is the most ever during the quote unquote golden age of piracy. Um, so he captured over four hundred ships in three years. He did eventually get killed. Shocker, um, but it says. Uh, when he was killed, there was a ship, um, captain, uh, captain of a, a British ship was attacking. He made a, himself a gallant figure. Basically, he got dressed to the nines to go fight. And then uh, they made a run trying to, to break out of this blockade. The British ship shot him with a broadside, hit him with grape shot, which is like a, Jeez. Like yeah. a shotgun um, spread and hit him in the neck, killed him. But apparently one of his requests was to be buried at sea so they couldn't do anything with his body. And so his, his men, before they surrendered, wrapped him up in one of the sails and, and buried him at sea. Hmm. 
Uh, and then he also had a pirate code, which he created. And, and there's lots of pirate codes, but I think that some of these are really interesting. Every man on the boat had a vote and an equal share. Um, if you robbed anybody on the ship, you would be marooned, which means you would be dropped off at a deserted island. Um, if you robbed one another, you would have your ears and nose cut off the first time. Um, and the second time you'd get deserted. Uh, you couldn't play cards or dice for money. This one's really funny because this gives me th not the cards or dice, but this next one. Uh, it's very like summer camp lights out at 8 p.m. Like, yeah, all right, guys, just, go to bed. That's <laughs> just common sense. If you've ever been a, a counselor, if you want to be a pirate at your best, you got to get a full eight. Like, it's just really interesting. Um, no, no boys or women were allowed on the boat. Uh, no fighting on the ship. If you wanted to fight another sailor on the ship, you had to go to shore. And then the quartermaster no would like. Women? Wait, are we just gonna? Are we just gonna go right over that one? Yep, we are. Boys or women? Well, yeah, and <laughs> okay. I think for the the base reasons um, noted, you couldn't br you couldn't bring a woman on the boat for, and you couldn't if you wanted to have sex with a woman, you had to do it on the on shore, I guess. Um, and I guess boys were similarly taken advantage of, unfortunately. Um, but no fighting on the ship. So if you wanted to fight somebody, you had to go on shore. The quartermaster would like say, all right, here are the rules. Here's how many paces you got to take. And then they would fight. They'd shoot at each other first. If they both missed and they'd go at each other with their swords, um, until first blood. And that's how they settled their disputes. So, and then if somebody got injured, like wounded or maimed or crippled, they would be given $800 out of like the public funds as like, Recompense is really like, well, that's just universal health care. It is, but I'm like, <laughs> like the like pirate Black Bart here had a very like democratic system for his. I mean, he was only a pirate for like three years, but it was very democratic and like, hey, hey, we're all in this together. Let's all let's all work out for each other. Uh, and then the probably the weirdest or most out, out of place rule as part of the Pirates Cove is musicians have to rest on the Sabbath. So the musicians on the boat get one day off a week. So there you go. Interesting. Black Bart. Yeah. Uh, number five, Black Caesar. A lot of a lot of pirates had the prefix black in their name. Uh, black Caesar was an actual um he was either an African war chief or he was a slave that was born in Haiti. Um, we don't know what his birth name was. We don't know what his flagship was. But um, he found himself on Blackbeard's ship um, in 1718 when Blackbeard is actually captured and killed. Um, but he, would, uh, he was known for his huge size, immense strength, and keen intelligence. He spent years um, evading slavers. Uh, what happened is he was he was eventually taken as a slave. He befriended one of the crewmen on the slave ship. That ship was destroyed in a hurricane, and that friend and Black Caesar found a lifeboat, stayed on the lifeboat, and then they would trick people, ships passing by. They would say, oh, we're stranded, we're stranded. And then when they'd get close, they'd pull their guns and rob them. Um, he amassed a fortune of upwards of 2 to $6 million in today's money, um, and supposedly buried 26 bars of silver on Elliott Key, Florida. So, um, yeah, pretty wild. So, so that, five. That for, so I, I want to jump in here. Something <clears throat> I, I came across a few weeks ago, I think. Um, have you ever heard of the West Africa Squadron? 
No. The West no. Africa Squadron was formed in 1808 um, as part of the uh, the Royal Navy. It was also called the Preventative Squadron. Uh, 1808 matters because in 1807, Parliament abolished slavery in mm-hmm. the United Kingdom and all of its colonies. Empire. So then the next year, they created a squadron whose objective was to end the slave trade. And it, like, uh, patrolled the coast of West Africa going after slave ships. That's cool. Yeah. Like it's, I like that. That's very aggressive. But, well, it makes sense. If you abolish it, you got to start enforcing that rule. And the, the piracy... An aside, the piracy has an, a, a lot to do with the slave trade. Obviously, a lot of these ships that were captured were slave ships. And so a lot of the slaves that were en route to the New World, many of them would be let go and freed, and then they would become pirates themselves. Um, all right, so next one is it's kind of a two-for Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed. So it's, it's two-for-one, but their stories are very tied together. Um, I'm going to focus more on Anne Bonnie. She was born in 1698 in Cork, Ireland. Uh, she was a bastard um, of William Cormack and Mary Brennan. They moved to South Carolina when she was a child. Her mom died in 1711. She was disowned by her dad after she married a sailor named James Bonney. Um Even though she was married, she frequently was in pubs and bars um, and drinking and seducing pirates, one of those being the famous Calico Jack. And so then she joined his crew. Um, And then she met Mary Reed later, who was captured on a ship and became a pirate with Calico Jack. They initially pretended that they were men um, on the ship. Um, Calico Jack found out they were women. He probably became or they became his his lovers. Um, Wait, but, but didn't Mary, she seduce him first? She seduced him first, but then, I, I, I'm sorry, Mary was the one that came on the ship as oh, a man, okay. disguised as a man. And then um, Anne found out Mary was actually a woman. And then Calico Jack later found out Mary was a woman. Um, and he treated them equally. He didn't treat them any different um, than any of the other men on the boat. And probably because they were crazy fierce. And, like, they would frequently lead raids and um, just fought like wildcats. Um, they're probably most famously known as when Calico Jack was actually captured October 22nd of 1720. They warned him, say, hey, there's a strange ship coming into the harbor. Most of his crew was passed out drunk. Uh, so Calico Jack, Mary and Anne, and then a few other crewmen tried to fight. Um, it was the governor of Jamaica sending a ship to capture them. Calico Jack surrounded or surrendered after a short fight, Anne and Mary continued to fight the the men that were trying to capture them by themselves. Um, Mary said, if there's a man among you, you'll come up and fight like the man you are to be. Nobody challenged her. So then she shot one of them dead. And, and then they were eventually captured. Um, and Calico Jack, when he was going to be hung, he requested to see Anne. He goes, and she said to him before he was hung, she goes, if you had fought like a man, you have you need not have been hung like a dog. That was her last words to him. And uh, they were tried for piracy, but and they were found guilty, but they couldn't be executed because they were both pregnant at the time. So oh. nobody knows exactly how Anne died. She could have lived uh, until 1782. She could have died in 1733. They're not sure. Uh, Mary did die in prison in 1721. So a lot of those must have been very like pro-life executioners 
Well, I mean, it makes sense. They were all part of the crown, right? They were all crowns people. Yeah. And I'm sure the church had very strong influence and in, you can't kill a pregnant woman, um, at least until she has her baby. Wait um, until the baby's so, born. Yeah. All right. Next one is Diego Grillo. Uh, he was born in 1557 in Havana as a slave. He was of um, possibly of Spanish and African I, descent. I want to read that as Grillo, like Frank Grillo. Yeah. But I guess we can use the Spanish. Well, he's a Spanish slave, so it probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, born in, he, fe- he fled slavery in 1572. He was captured by the famous Sir Francis Drake, where he became a member of Drake's crew. Um, eventually, he forged an alliance with the English and the Cimarron, who were escaped slaves that lived in Panama. Uh, he led a planting party, took the town of Puerto Caballos in 1854. Uh, he's got some great names, known as Diego El Mulato, because he was both Spanish and African. Um, he was elected captain of his ship um, by his Dutch companions in 1637. Uh he burned down the city of Campeche in 1633, took 11 ships and 12 sloops. Um, he's got some great names, Diego de la Cruz, Diego de los Reyes, um, uh, Lucifer. They just called him Captain Lucifer because he was a devil for like a decade. He just kind of terrorized the Caribbean. All right. And then eighth, and the last but not least, Charles Vane, born in 1680 in England, his flagship was the Ranger. Um, he was a privateer initially uh, and uh, for Henry Jennings. In 1715, working under Henry Jennings, they attacked a salvage crew that was trying to salvage the Spanish treasure fleet, and they took 87,000 pounds of gold and silver. That's unbelievable. Like, it's just mind-boggling how much gold was transporting across from the New World to the Old. Uh, he became his own pirate, an independent pirate in 1717. Um, at 1718, King George I issued a pardon to all pirates for any crimes that they may have committed. He rejected the pardon and led a group of pirates um, in defiance of the pardon. He was captured in 1718, but he was released by the word on the good word of a former pirate, Benjamin Hornigold. Upon his release, he continued raiding, um, often torturing. Yeah, he just went right back to it. Well, I love um, that, like, why should we release you? Let's take the word of this other pirate and see what he says. Oh, he's a great guy. All right. Yeah. Pirate says he's good, so go ahead and just and let him slide. Yeah. Then right um, back into he, it. Uh, who would have guessed? In 1718, he went to Charleston, stole eight ships or captured eight ships. 1718 of September, he went to Nassau, uh, met with Blackbeard, and they had a party for like several days. Um, he lost command in 1718 when he fled from a French frigate. Um, and he, so he's put in a sloop with soldiers loyal to him. And then he was shipwrecked in 1719 and then eventually captured and killed. How so there you go. do you steal eight ships? You just take them. Like, how do you steal one ship? You just take them. I don't know. They well, Apparently, I, pirates were so feared that a lot of times captains of ships would just surrender or they would just abandon their ship. Like, I know Captain Jack Sparrow I, I made it look to, easy. but I think you just need to replace a few key people. You don't take over the whole ship. You Most of the, <laughs> the, 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 the lower staff stay in place. You replace some officers and the captain, and you, you move along. 
Yeah, and the money was better if you were a pirate. So a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the lower guys would be like, I can make a lot better money if I'm just a pirate. So you know, this so. does yeah. remind and me. And then they had a training portal on whatever pirate code they were using. <laughs> and when they completed yeah. the training, they moved on. Do I have to do the webinar? Yes, do the webinar. They met with HR, you know. Well, this reminds me of, of Congress. Like, we we elect and we, we kick people out of office, but all the staffers are the same. And they just bounce right. around between different offices. I think that's a pretty solid it's, analogy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, right. So we got our pirates. We have our eight. Eric, you're going to ask us questions and set up the matches. Jeff will be oh, back yeah. in just yeah, a moment. Jeff's going to take off. So there you go. Let's get to this. Very curious how this... All right, so our first matchup is going to be our one and our eight seed, Blackbeard and Charles Vane. All right. And I'm going to pull some of these questions, and we're just going to see where this goes. So, <clears throat> Blackbeard or Charles Vane? Um, go with this one, this pile. Who's going to win if they can both summon one weapon from anywhere pre-1600s? Who's going to win if they can summon one weapon pre-1600s? Uh, I'm going to go Blackbeard. Uh, I think Charles Vane was a good pirate. Seems like he was a very good fighter. But uh, if, you, if you looked at um, Blackbeard, I think... To kill Blackbeard, they had to shoot him at least five times and stab him 20 times before he actually dropped. So He had a very Rasputin quality to him. That, that was exactly yeah. who I was thinking of yep. when he said that. So, so I think Blackbeard I think Blackbeard takes that. I mean, Blackbeard also just looked terrifying. Like, part of it is he would put, like, lit fuses. He would twist them into his beard. And, like, when he was boarding shit, like, he would put, like, lit cannon fuses in his beard. Oh, to make, like, the smoky look? Yeah. And then, like, he had bandoliers of guns strapped across his chest. Like, he was down for a fight. So I, I think any pre-1600 weapon Blackbeard is going to just destroy Charles Vane. Yeah, and, and I think the only reason we know Charles Vane's name is because he amassed all that money. If it wasn't for the 87,000 pounds of gold and silver, we don't know who he is. We know who Blackbeard yeah. is because he is... He's a, a Wookiee with a meth habit. He's out of control. <laughs> so I think we're talking exactly. any sort of hand-to-hand -hand combat at all. I'm going Blackbeard. Yeah. Okay, second question. Which of these He's two... The meth habit. <laughs> Great picture. Blackbeard or Charles Vane is going to uh, come out on top if they're uh, at Normandy on D-Day. Are they storming the beaches? I would assume they, so. I don't. Or think are they sitting on? Are they sitting on a battleship, just dropping ordnance? Like <laughs> we're assuming they're sto they're storming the beaches. Wherever they are, they're both together. Uh, I I still got to go Blackbeard. I think his his ferocity and his ability to take bullets to the chest is going to serve, serve him well on D-Day. Yeah, multiple bullets. Yeah. It's a good call. 
Jeff? I, I have nothing to add to that at all. There's there's no way Blackbeard doesn't win this thing going yeah. away. Yeah, Charles Vane. It's a quick sweep for Blackbeard, it looks like. Didn't really stand a chance. It we was don't even like, need a third question here. No, he sounds like, like a Nancy boy, too. I'm not too crazy about the whole name, Charles Vane. Let's well, be honest. And you like, when you hear Charles Vane, you think of Carly Saint, Simon, right? You're, You're so, so vain, vain, right? Like, like that's... It's, it's Indiana University, Purdue University at Indiana, Annapolis, yeah. uh, versus North Carolina State. Okay, there off the top of your head, who's going to play Charles Vane in the movie? Eric, go. Orlando uh, Bloom. Okay. <laughs> who's going who's to play Blackbeard off the top of your head? Go. Uh, well, I, I, you said Orlando Bloom, so that made me think Jeffrey Rush, who is Barbosa uh, in Pirates Stellan, of the Caribbean. Stellan Skarsgård could Stellan do it. Skarsgård. There you go. Or Jeffrey Rush. I'm also thinking a, uh, a, a, a very animated Gerard Butler. He's, he's probably Gerard a good Butler. Blackbeard also. There you go. I like that one. All right. What do we got next? Okay. Next one is Black Bart versus Black Caesar. This is a 4-5 seeding matchup. Mid-majors. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, uh, who's going to win if both of them are trapped in medieval stocks, which likely happened to them at one point, I'm sure. So they have to fight each other, but they're stuck in the stocks? Yeah, so it's a, it's either a foot battle <laughs> or it's a face battle. <laughs> or a thumb war. Oh, exactly. thumb war. I like that. Uh. Who are we? We got Black Bart. Caesar right out of the gate. My notes here say he was either an African war chief or born a slave in Haiti. So if he's an African war chief, I, I'm I'm assuming that he was a victim of slavery at some point. And then if he was born a slave in Haiti, obviously he was a victim of slavery. So um, I'm going to give him the edge if for no other reason than he's got experience with the stockade. I agree with that. It also says he was had huge size, immense strength, and keen intelligence. So he might actually be able to snap the stocks if they aren't secured tightly. Whereas Black Bart or Bartholomew, I mean, the guy's name is Bartholomew, but Bartholomew Roberts was more known for his, like, he dressed really nice and he looked all, like, he looked the part of a great pirate. Not saying he wasn't a pirate, but he doesn't have the raw strength or size that I think you would need. To win a, yeah, no and, and my notes here, the, the, the notes here say he was hesitant to become a pirate. Black Bart <clears> it is until he first saw the money. But I get mm -hmm. the impression that Black Caesar was just born into this and hit the ground running. Like he never had any opportunities in life other than kicking ass as a pirate. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a war chief, you've already you've already wrecked wrecked some things to to get to that. So, yeah, Black Caesar. Okay. So Eric, do you have another question? Caesar. I do. Yeah. There's a, there's a question, though. There's a curiosity about, like, how people get into pirating. And, and very few people get into pirating because they seek it out. Right? Like, they kind well, of Well, I think a lot of the it. ones – a lot of the ones I was looking at when I was researching, they were privateers. And then when the privateer job ended, they just kept doing it, but without a commission. 
yeah. basically. Okay, Black Bart. Then, yeah, Black Bart was not one. Go ahead, sorry. Black Bart or Black Caesar, who's going to win at piloting a Zeppelin? See, I, I I think Black Bart, I think he would just look really good in a Zeppelin. Like, I think. Does he have a steampunk look about him? Yeah, I think he would he would be in a good he would be a good Zeppeliner. Um, yeah, I don't get the impression that, that that Black Caesar, if you take him out of a ship, I mean, he was born into piracy, into the 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 the, the ship life, all that. I think he was brought up in it. He understood it very well. You put him in a Zeppelin, that's a you had a serious fish out of water. Yeah, something tells me that that Black Bart is a little more malleable and like, sort this out. Yeah, I mean, Black Bart, Bartholomew, he'd be like, hi, I'm Bartholomew, I'll be your captain on the Zeppelin today. It's the future <laughs> of transport. Like, kind of like that episode of Archer when they're on the Zeppelin. It's just going that slow 22 miles an hour, whatever it is. I, yeah, I, I just can't not see Bartholomew in a Zeppelin. So I'm going to interject so, yeah. a story here. It's okay. a great story. It's about I believe you. a blimp. When my wife and I first got married, our the first one of the first things we did is we traveled out to New York to see my grandparents who couldn't travel for the wedding. So we were out there for a, a week and a half or so. And we're out sitting out on the porch in it's southern New York, far away from the city, out in the country. And there's a blimp, and my grandpa's like 97 at this point, and he's been quiet the whole day. He just points and he says, "Ah, a dirigible." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Gosh, powerful stuff, Grandpa. Yeah, just the vocabulary. Okay, Black Bart or Black Caesar? We are all tied up at two two. Who's going to come out of the Alamo alive? Um. Hmm. I'm, I'm well, going Black okay. Caesar. So I, let me back I, I, up. Nobody got out of the Alamo alive. Yeah, so, so I'm saying I'm like, <laughs> nobody made it, but if somebody was, yeah. which one? Yeah, which one of these guys was a Mexican? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah, who is Santa Ana? Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's going to win if they're both stuck in the Alamo? Who's going to live the longest? See, live the longest, that actually kind of makes me think Black Bart because. I think Black Caesar's going to be on the walls next to Davy Crockett. Just he's going to have a knife it. in his teeth. He's yeah. going to be jumping into crowds, and yeah, I think he's going to go pretty quick. He's going to take a lot of people with him, but he's going to go pretty quick. Where I think Black Bart's going to be like, "Oh, I just got this suit pressed." Like I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think Black Bart yeah, is he's going to be that guy who managed to stay on the very tip of the Titanic until the rest of the yep. boat went down. You think he exactly. was like in one of the mission buildings with the women and children? He's, just, he's Billy Zane. Billy Zane on the Titanic? <laughs> yeah, Billy Zane. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's Billy Zane. There you go. <laughs> okay, so I guess Black Bart is moving on. And that's okay. Not because he was the better pirate, but... No, just because he's a survivor. slimy, smarmy nature bailed him out of some jams. Yeah. I love well. the projections we're giving to these guys. Like, he's a weasel. But weasel. Uh, Zhang right, hey. Sao. Wait, hang on, hang oh, on, Eric. Okay, Who's okay. going to play Black Caesar in the movie? 
My answer is Idris Elba again. Anytime oh, exactly. you're asking, yeah. there's yeah. only one. Eric, you're, you're not very good at this. Jake is much better. I'm not. Uh, and Jake, uh, let's, let's see the magic. Who's going to play Black Bart? Who's going to play Black Bart? Ooh, gosh. I kind of feel like a foppish James Franco would be a good Black Bart. <laughs> Or whoever played uh, Who's the Nerdy Kid on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The, the, whoever played Carlton. Carlton, uh, Alfonso Riviero. There we go. <laughs> Doing the – I like it. All right. Moving on. Two seed Zhang Yi Sao versus seven seed Diego Grio. All right. So which of these uh, – is going to win if their corset is too tight. <laughs> Obviously, Jing Yi Zhao. I don't. Yeah. Wow. That's. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't have, have any notes on Diego I don't have an image. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an image to throw of you. Uh, I have it, but I can't put it up on here right now. But the, the photo I, or image I have of Diego Grillo is a large Hispanic man. So I don't think he's going to do well in a corset. Like. I mean, it's an artist's rendering, but it's – I think Jing Yi Sao is going to do well in a corset. Yeah, he was born in Cuba as a slave. He didn't – yeah. It's not going to – I think you're going to lose an eye trying to get him in a corset. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> a button yeah. snapping and pow. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Who's going to have more success uh, at Disneyland on opening day? Uh, do they have a fast pass? Is he an employee? Yeah. No, no they're they're visiting Disneyland on opening day. Who's actually okay. going to get the most rides in? Make the be the most so, efficient at at making the trip successful. I think Jenny. Well, she's going to have the employees in their in her palm of her hand. Well, yeah, I mean, she's able to command forty to sixty thousand pirates against a protracted war against the Chinese Empire. I feel like she can navigate the fast pass system at Disney quite well. Okay. I, I see nothing in the notes on Diego indicating that he would have any success in a modern day Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Zhang takes it. So who plays Diego Grillo Grillo in the film, Jeff? I'm gonna beat you to the question. Who I'm gonna go with a uh a young Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson can pull off a half Spanish, half African former slave. Of yeah. course. <laughs> Liam Neeson is one of the <laughs> finest actors of his generation. Yeah. I love he it. Give him a half hour in a makeup chair and he's going to He has a very it. specific set of skills, Jake. You should know this. Yeah, and he's he not going to change his voice or his speech pattern at all. And it's going to be. Nor should he. You know what? The more I think of it, Sean Connery didn't. He played the Spanish Spaniard in uh, Highlander. So I. Yeah, he played a Russian in Hunter yeah. October <laughs> with a Scottish accent. Nobody, yeah. nobody questioned that. Yeah, you're like, no, this tracks, obviously. Yeah, so, we're all fine with this. <laughs> uh, all right. Jake, who are you going to put down for Jing Yi Sao? You know, I wanted to say Lucy Liu, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Um, 
That's who you want. Takayo Fisher. Played her I can't in the, see of the that Caribbean. Picture. Yeah, I know. It's washed Way out. too close to the camera. It's just... It's the lady who played like, her in Pirates of the Caribbean. She was in oh, the film. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So, wait. So, I'm curious now, because I was thinking Lucy Liu. Where are you going with this, Jake? I'm looking it up right now. I'm sorry. Give me just a minute to look it up. She's, um... Margaret Cho. She's a very... Is that her? <laughs> Isn't no. she a comedian? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not her. No. Aquafina. Aquafina or Nora from Queens. Um, I love Aquafina, but no, that's not who I'm thinking of. Just a minute. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the same lady. Immediately. Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. That's who I was that's thinking That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. She would be a great Jane. She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, Oh, so, yeah. She's really good. Anyway, there you go. Sorry. Okay. On to the three seed versus six seed. Eustace, the monk, versus Anne Bonny. Ooh, I like this. These are both ruthless characters. Who's going to do the best during the Great Depression? Hmm. Uh, and Bonnie, uh, she was born, um, as a bastard child. So she had kind of a rougher upbringing than Eustace, um, cause he was born to a, a, a nobleman. So I, I think, and again, Bonnie, she had a, it looks like a rougher life. So I think she'd be able to handle the great depression a little better than Eustace. Yeah, and Eustace's whole counterculture thing, encourage monks to eat when they should fast, curse when they should recite their prayers. It kind of has really a, standing out like, in all no, the no, buy low and sell, or buy high and sell low. Yeah, he seems like the kind of kid at a prep school that's like, he can fall behind on daddy's money for a while. And I, I think if it was all taken away from him, he would have struggled. Yeah. He's he's famous for all the same reasons that I actually graduated high school. So, <laughs> part in the cloister, just yeah, just doing the wrong thing, but doing it just charming enough that you totally got away with it. That exactly. was that was my mo. Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> okay, so two for Ann Bonnie. Yeah. All right. Who's gonna do? Who's gonna? Uh, Who's going to make it out of the trenches of World War One? So, well, they're both wildly brave. And they seem like ferocious fighters. Hmm. I mean, it, it looks like Eustace has an awful lot of combat, military combat experience. I'm I'm willing to give this one to Eustace for my vote, uh, just based on his extensive military experience. Yeah, I think so too. I think he he would now do let me, well. Let me just give everyone a history lesson here, real quick. Oh please! World War One was not 
like it wasn't the kind of war that was given over to the best tactician or the most experienced. It was a meat grinder where chance mm -hmm. and luck had a lot more to determine whether you made it out than anything else. There weren't any tricks of the trade to keep you from getting hit with an artillery shell or a straight bullet. No, I, I understand that. But assuming the luck is the same for both, I think if Eustace can get over to the other side's trench, I mean, he he went down fighting, swinging an, a, a, an oar, a boat paddle. Like, he's like, you ain't taking me alive. So I, I think he would be, once he get into that other trench, he's going to... He's going to do some work um, that I think is going to help him survive. Yeah, and, and as much hell as being in a trench is during World War One, being in that trench as a female, that's a whole nother level of hell to deal with in my that's true. That's estimation. True. So have, have you – I assume you've both seen All Quiet on the Western Front or read the book? Yes. I've seen the movie. So – the old guy, the sergeant in the movie, who was also an airwolf. Can't think of his name right now. Um, Roy Scheider? No. Anyways, he's the Ernest sergeant. Bordine. That is it. I'm thinking Blue Ernest Thunder Bordine. anyhow. Sorry. His character, when they get to the, the trenches, and this is why it makes me think of Eustace. <clears throat> he tells them, you have to unlearn a bunch of things, including... Don't use your bayonet to stab somebody because then it, you have to like rip it out of the cartilage and it gets stuck. He's like, no, if you want to kill somebody, use your trench tool, your shovel, mm -hmm. and you just swing it at the base of their neck. And uh, it'll come out clean and you won't get stuck. Yeah, you so that makes me think of, yeah, he'd love the trench tool. Yeah. Or is it all knotted up? Yeah. Oh. Knotted up. Let's go with um, this one I haven't gone with. Who would do better armed with the Spear of Destiny? Which, if you don't know what the Spear of Destiny is... Is that I from Constantine? Uh, so the Spear of... The Spear that pierced Christ's side? <clears throat> yes, that's, that's it, right? It's the spearhead. And most... Famously, from what I can, from what I understand, more recently, uh, it is believed to have been held by the Nazis up until the point that they moved it, and that was the point at which it is believed they started to lose the war. So, who's going to do better with it, Eustace or Anne? Oh, I think clearly Eustace. Uh, mm -hmm. Per my notes, he is—he's uh, dabbled in black magic. He understands exactly. the black art. Yeah, he right can, up uh, his alley. He, he, yeah, he can get the most out of this. Uh, yeah, mythical yeah, he's, piece he's, of history. He's got both sides. He studied at a monastery. Studied black magic. He he'll do better with the spear of destiny. I mean, Anne Bonnie might stab someone with it, but she yeah, probably but she doesn't understand its true, true power. power. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so um, Eric, I'm curious. You just said something. Are you implying that? Somebody actually knows where this relic is at this point in time, or did? No, I, I don't know. I think it's been lost. <clears throat> but the Nazis are pretty well known for seeking out relics. That's kind of the whole, one of the things with, like, the Indiana Jones films is that it's based on on 
the inclination of the Nazis to seek out all these ancient relics for themselves to use. So like when they happened upon the spear of destiny, which was, I believe in the Vienna museum, they brought it back to Berlin and had just three years of wild success. And then because Hitler was paranoid, he wanted it moved to somewhere safe. And since it was out of his possession, the story goes that that's when they began to lose the war. But no, theoretically, at one point, somebody had a spear <clears throat> that they were at least plausibly able to authenticate as the spear that pierced Christ's side. On uh, I don't know if it was authenticated. I don't know if it's also well, known as the, 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 the Holy yeah, Lance. Claimed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to look into this a little bit to see what, what we actually know, but I don't. Right. I, I know I kind of took this it. off the rails here. No, that's that's that, fine. It that struck me as fascinating. So, yeah, it's one of those things. All right, all right, good enough for me. What's next? I think Eusta took it from that. Yeah, Eusta's got Disney. it. So we'll go to our one seed versus our four seed: Blackbeard versus Black Bart. And right. we're going to see which of them does better. If all of their weapons were replaced with rocks. <laughs> I have Blackbeard. <laughs> he's on his ship. I think he's going to win a rock throwing contest. And yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Black Bart, he's good at putting together flimsy pirate legal documents. But yeah, we're, we're in a rock fight. I'm going Blackbeard <laughs> all the way. Yeah. Hey, guys, lights out at 8 p.m. <laughs> we'll have a fight with some 10-pound rocks. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Blackbeard versus Blackbart. Who is going to do better? I want to change this question because I just have a location. On Jeopardy? Who's going to have more fun at Woodstock? More fun at Woodstock. Well, it's uh, a good question. I think Black Bart would be able to. Well, but he's got the bedtime at eight p.m. That's not good. No, yeah, no. See, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, seeing Blackbeard, Blackbeard and I'm, I'm Blackbeard. having a hard time putting the actual metaphor on this, but I see it as the guy in the movie who shows up in the situation where he has no business succeeding, should be complete fish out of water, yet just by being true to who he is, completely nails the situation. Ends yeah. up backstage with Hendrix at Woodstock, gets several hippies pregnant, just it's, it just goes, <laughs> it's great for on every metric for him. Yeah. He ends up writing, a, singing a song about him. The Beatles show up, even though they weren't supposed to be there, all because of Blackbeard. That's how I yeah. see this going down. Yeah, I agree. Didn't stand a chance. No. Okay, so we're down to the two versus the three seeds. Zheng Yi Sao versus Eustace the Monk. We'll give them a location. Who's going to do better at the Tower of London? 
Or are they touring or well being imprisoned there? Like seeing that it's we're in the seventeen, eighteen hundreds, they're likely there on business being imprisoned. So who's gonna okay. be the better Tower of London prisoner? Hmm. I I think I, I see Eustace passing the time better. Um, I think he's just yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, Zhang is gonna she's gonna try to get the whole place under her control. Maybe she can. Maybe she can't. But Eustace, he's gonna have fun. He's gonna be the quirky prisoner who uh, I, I don't know. He makes the most friends. He probably ends up being the shot caller somehow when it's all said and done. Okay. I, you know, it's interesting because I, I think the opposite because Zhang, out of this list of pirates, she's one of the few pirates that was never captured or executed because when she surrendered to the Zhang dynasty, she basically demanded a full pardon. They gave it to her and then they gave her new husband, who was a pirate with her, um, a commission. So I think she can negotiate some really good favorable terms as a prisoner. You know, she might get yeah, you an know extra. What? I mean, she I'm might get an extra. Out, I'm just flat out changing my answer. J- Jake's 100% right. Her ability to to keep all these people in line yeah. and in order that 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 level of like I think she's going to get some extra yard time. She'll have a you know, she'll get an extra scoop of of you know, gruel at at mealtime like oh, she's going to be warden coming to her for advice. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, it. I think Zhang is going to win. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. All right. We're just going to make this pretty basic. Uh, it's a duel. Fighters must walk 10 paces and turn and shoot. Who wins? I don't I don't know if uh, Zhang – well, so uh, Eustace is, was alive in a time before guns existed, so we're assuming – He's had some training, or we're just taking him out of time and saying, hey, here's a gun. Shoot that lady. Because we're saying, here's a gun. Shoot that lady. Then I'm going to say she wins because she already knows what a gun is and knows how to use it. Yeah, maybe. It could be that simple. Okay. What do you think, Jeff? Oh, did you freeze? No, I'm here. I just looked for um, <laughs> it. It looks to me like like Eustace, he's pretty ruthless. Captures five of the Count's men, cuts the feet off four of them, and leaves the fifth to tell the Count what happened. I mean, he's, he's not going to hesitate when you tell him to shoot a chick, if that's at all what we're concerned about is his ability to pull off this questionable feat. In um, the 12th century, so um, I'm going to go with Eustace on this. Okay. All right. So, next one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Who's going to be more successful armed with the Ark of the Covenant? Jeez. Jeez, we're getting really biblical here. (laughs) Based on my knowledge of Indiana Jones, nobody's ever really successful with the Ark of the Covenant, but. (laughs) I'm going to go Zhang because I think 
if Indy says, don't open that and look into it, she's going to listen to him. Or if Indy says, Eustace, don't open that and look into it, he's going to be like, screw you, Dr. Jones, and he's going to open it and his face is going to melt. So I have a doctorate in the black arts. <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, he's hundred percent right. Eustace is destined to have his face melted. <laughs> yep. Circa nineteen eighty special effects. Gosh. So we've been we've been watching the MCU with my kids, and and we've been plowing through them this summer, and it's been a lot of fun. And there's a lot of like language and stuff, and we're like, yeah, they can handle. It. I'm like, hey, don't repeat that. I know you already have, but don't repeat it. But then we're also talking, what other films do we need our kids to see? And I, I brought up Lord of the Rings today. And Obviously. I brought up before uh, Indiana Jones and Amy's just like, mm, might be a bit much, you know, with faces oh, melting I, I off. I guarantee stuff. you that, that the Temple of Doom is much gnarlier than you remember it being. Your, your kids will, your, your wife will shut it off before you reach the end of that movie. Yep. She had me mute. We watched Thor Ragnarok tonight. And there's a specific scene that she, like, was, like, we're going. She won't even let me repeat the line because she's like, no, it's gross. And it's it's from uh, Jeff Goldblum's. He's the uh, the Grandmaster in Sakaar. Mm-hmm. And he has that special spaceship that they press mm-hmm. the button and it just starts saying, it's my birthday. Every time I say that, she's like, no, that's gross. Cause that was his special, like it's his pleasure barge. <laughs> and so she's like, you have to mute that whole scene. Cause I don't want the kids asking what that is. But I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but like, yeah, she looked at me, she tossed me the remote tonight. She's like, you're going to mute that. I'm like, all right. You know, I like how she makes you mute it. Like she could yeah. have muted it herself, but she's like, "No, you're going to mute this, Eric. You need to learn." Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just... awesome. Okay, so it is no surprise that the number one seed Blackbeard will be facing the number two seed Zheng Yi Sao. Um, so let's get it started. Which of these two? is going to survive the Oregon Trail. So I'm assuming they're in the game Oregon Trail. That's the only way I can picture somebody actually <laughs> not, traveling Not the, the Oregon actual Trail. Oregon Trail, just playing <laughs> yeah. the game. Who's going to yeah. win the game Oregon Trail? <laughs> because a lot of the success, based on my knowledge of the game, was Not getting supplies. dysentery. Don't get dysentery. Scurvy would be a factor here. Well, and um, hit the buffalo when you shoot at it. You need a lot of food. Yeah, you don't want to waste a lot of bullets on squirrels. I remember that. Um, I, I assume we meant the actual Oregon Trail, but we can, I we know, can play the game. In my mind, it's it's the 8-bit graphics. From, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Monument Rock. But, but on Oregon Trail, there's always a chance that you'd be attacked by... Uh, Native Americans or other uh, in the video game called Savages, Jake. Jeez, gosh, <laughs> it was eighties. It's just awful. Early eighties. All right. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think on a physical level, Blackbeard is going to withstand the rigors of the Oregon Trail. But on a preparing your wagon train, the best, I'm going to go Zhang. I don't know. This is a tough one. Oh, I'm going to go with Zhang. I, I love Blackbeard. I, I think he is all that is man. He is he's the, the uber pirate. But once he comes up across some some Sioux and some Kiowa, um, I don't know if there's Comanches that far north on the trail. I don't know how far south that trail went, but I, I don't see his like like that ah, style going well against a, a, a Native American raiding party. Um, I see. Jane, yeah, they're just going to feather him in arrows. Right. It's just going to be. It's just. It might take a little longer than the average guy, but I, I see Jang being a little more uh, diplomatic. She's probably got more numbers with her. Um, I just see her situation working out better. And just to be clear, I'm I'm playing this out on the actual Oregon Trail. So I'm curious how how, how this works out for Jake and the 8-bit uh, <laughs> Apple II. No, I, I agree. I think Zhang wins it. I think, I think be it the game or the real deal, I think Zhang is going to be more prepared. Um, she's going to lead her group better uh, than Blackbeard. Okay. Uh, which of these two is going to win 1v1 armed with a blunderbuss? A, a, a physical confrontation with a blunderbuss? Oh, yeah. Yes. Blackbearded. Blackbeard. It's not even. Yeah. Yeah. No discussion required. <laughs> okay. I, there it is. I mean, if he runs out of ammo, he'll just use it as a club. I mean, it's not, it's not even a question. Yeah, in fact, he might just start out using it as a club. <laughs> okay. and, and hang on. So but before we get into the tiebreaker question here, I'd like to say um, before tonight, I never heard of Jing Ye Sao. I'm pretty impressed that we have a female in the final of a battle royale of eight pirates. This is pretty amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. The more I've read, read about her, the cooler she is. And there's a, so much to her story that obviously we didn't get to. Um, she's awesome. She's incredible. And I don't know. It's um, it's shocking she isn't better known. Um, but, yeah, let's do this. Okay, so uh, which of these, Blackbeard or Zheng Yi Sao, is going to be more successful as an undercover agent in Cold War Berlin. King Yi Sao. Blackbeard doesn't go undercover. <laughs> yeah, that's... He, doesn't, he doesn't see the point. <laughs> He's like Bill Brasky. He's like, <laughs> you're kicking Bill Brasky. Yep. Yeah. He's about 7'4", 290 pounds, Brasky. Yeah. Yeah, it's Zhang. I don't know. I mean, she might hire Blackbeard to interrogate or torture somebody that she brings over, but she's going to be the spy. Yeah, in the, in, in the cloak and dagger world of uh, Cold War, Eastern Germany. Yeah. yeah, if you brought Blackbeard in there, you'd have a hot war in within the week. I mean, the oh, nukes yeah. would be flying. Yeah, a blunderbuss hot war. <laughs> Just beat our diplomat to death. So yeah, we're <laughs> we're launching. 
Yeah, I'm not saying he wouldn't win, but yeah, if we're talking Cold War, spy game, spycraft, it's got to be Jin. All right, there we go. Zheng Yi Sao. That's our champ. I love it. Takes it. Well, All right. Dude, that's awesome. Into this woman. This is uh, this is amazing. All right. Well, that wraps it up. So our battle royale, Zheng Yi Sao takes the cake. I love it. Uh, I do have a couple real quick hypotheticals for you guys on a personal level. Eric, <laughs> what would you rather have? A peg leg or a hook hand? Hook hand. And I'm not talking pros- not, I'm not talking modern pr- prosthetics. It's either no hook like hand. A- okay. I mean, I want it to be my non. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I guess could I have it switchable like hook and make it like one that's a pen? Yeah, you can have multiple. All right. Yeah, hook hand. Okay. And 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 your peg leg, your peg leg can be fitted with a a soccer cleat, so you can still play. Doesn't do anything. Okay. No, I. It's not going to affect your overall soccer game at all, as far as (laughs) it might improve it. Um, I remember watching the movie Hook, and every time that he switched his hook, like the couple times, it just looked so awesome. So absolutely, the hook. Okay, Jeff, how about you? No, I'm definitely taking the hook. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, the things I love to do in life. Like, I do like to play guitar, but I'm only mildly decent at that. But uh, being able to uh, ski, snowboard, wakeboard, I can do all that with a hook. So, and yeah, okay. I'm, I'm definitely going with the hook. The peg leg is just, it's going to mess up too much stuff. I'm going to miss the hand. I mean, there there's plenty of... I don't even really type that much anymore. Most of it is just dictation into the computer. So, yeah, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, that's a good point. I was and also, I've got a bidet on pretty much every toilet in the house, so I'm good to go. <laughs> you don't need it. I love a it. special okay. <laughs> towel adapter. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, would you rather be subjected to an hour, and these are tortures or punishments that pirates had to undergo would you rather be subjected to an hour of dunking or an hour of sweating dunking was being endlessly dunked in the ocean while suspended from a yard arm and sweating was being forced to dance around the mast while touching fellow pirates who were trying to stab you with their cutlass and somebody was playing a fiddle so an hour of each if you survive you get to go home but you got to do an hour of each which one are you picking Damn. I know. They're not great options. These are not. I mean, I guess I'm going with the dunking. I mean, uh, being stabbed by cutlasses for an hour while the fiddle plays, it's just. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. I think I can handle the dunking. Is this happening like, like on a moving ship? (laughs) <laughs> it's it's unclear, but I would assume yes, but it was unclear. I'd go Probably with dunking. salt water, which makes it worse. Ugh. Mm-hmm. It only makes it worse if you had to do the sweating beforehand and you got a bunch of open wounds. Yeah. I'd have well, to go dunking. A mouthful of salt water is worse than a mouthful of fresh water, but... I'm just going to let the cat, I'm going to let Blackbeard pick for me. Whatever I did, I deserve the punishment. Just, I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll do my best to take it like a man. All right. 
Eric, do you have a thought? Yeah, I'm going with dunking. I don't want to get stabbed. Yeah, I, I think the dunking. I don't think I would stand. I, I am I don't easily I... irritable with a hangnail. I don't want cutless wounds. Yeah. Okay. I would go dunking as well. I think at least that way I'm I'm sitting so I can at least relax a little bit in between immersions. Um all right. So speaking of Blackbeard, which, who would you rather pirate under? So you're on a ship, you get to choose Blackbeard or Black Bart. Who would you rather have as your captain? Black Bart. He's got the pirate code. He's got the the great medical plan. Blackbeard. You're gonna get up to some hijinks. Black Bart would. I, I like a little bit of order. I'd like to know what's going on. I like a schedule. I bet you would enforce that eight o'clock curfew too. You'd be the you'd be hey, like time the for bed, guys. Ship. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm definitely going Blackbeard. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. We're gonna we're gonna see where this thing goes, man. Let's just <laughs> let's let's go. It's gonna be awesome. I mean, who, who are you gonna have more fun with? I'm probably gonna die in a week with with Blackbeard, but yeah. Well, in Black I mean, March, it sounds like, uh, guys, we got to get numbers. We got to hit numbers this week. We haven't gotten enough ships. We don't meet our quota. I think Blackbeard's like, and they both were pirates for about the same. Like, it didn't increase their length of piracy regardless. So, Black Bart I, is working at a unionized Starbucks, and Blackbeard yeah. is getting in there with the startup that you don't know if it's going to work or not. But if it works, you're going to be a billionaire. Period. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think Blackbeard is probably where I'm going. If I'm going to be a pirate, I'm going full pirate, and I'm going to just engage and in some mayhem. if that doesn't work, he'll never admit it to the bitter end. Yeah. Exactly. He'll just kill all the people that loaned him money and start over. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's the beauty of piracy. All right. Um, yeah, no, I'm a risk taker by nature. I'm, I'm going Blackbeard on that one. All right, cool. Um, that's all I got. Unless you guys want to go over pirate lingo. I think we're good. I, I may do this, use some of this in my classroom at some point, but. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, Eric, thank you guys for joining us for this episode of dab on history. I hope you guys that watched enjoyed it as much as we did, um, making it and, uh, make sure you guys like subscribe, follow us wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. Thank you so much and have a great day in history. 